0: Hello and welcome to another magical stream. <laughs> I am your host, Joe Magician, and today we'll be, uh, we'll be pumping some iron, hitting the gym, and getting real, real strong. <laughs> Harwin levels of strong. That's right. Today we'll be talking about the infamous scion of how strong that got involved with the dragons and died in flames, as one is wont to do. The... Perhaps lover to Queen Rhaenyra the first. That's right. Queen Rhaenyra the first. Give her her real title. An alleged father, alleged to Princess Lucerys Joffrey and Jaceris Velaryon. Harren played a pivotal role in the run up to the Dance of the Dragons. And, you know, I am, of course, maybe the only house strong fanboy out there. So, of course, with House of the Dragon coming up, and covering this time frame, you all had to know this stream and perhaps videos on the strongs was coming in the future. I mean, come on, it's me. I was going to do this. Of course, I was going to. You, you probably can't expect content on probably every member of House Strong around the House of the Dragon and um, whether or not they appear. Give us Alice Rivers. That's all I really want. Give us Alice Rivers. <laughs> um. It's almost as certain as me getting sad about Eamon. Speaking of, new artwork behind me. I changed uh, some of the setup behind me. Got a uh, picture behind me of Eamon. Oh, anime lover Nicole. noticed. thank you. I posted it on Instagram, um, what the whole new setup looks like. It's not really visible because of the, where my camera is, but for future stuff, um, particularly things that will be uploaded to the YouTube channel, I would expect to see more, if not all of it. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's as certain as me getting sad about Eamon and going off on a diatribe about Weirwoods or magic or Waymar Royce's unusual importance. I will be talking about the Strongs. And honestly, they should probably change the name of the show to House of the Flexing Biceps because House Strong is way more important than Targaryens, despite the fact that I'm repping House Targaryen today. I wish I could um, rep House Strong. That also may be coming. <laughs> Regardless, Let's get going here and talk about that sweet,
1: sweet break bones content. Um, wait, no, 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 I'm forgetting a few things. Oh, it's been a while since I
0: did this. Oh yeah, Uh, super chats. I'm sorry. Uh, We (laughs) had four before I started. Twenty pounds from Ramona Zamfires. Thank you so much, Ramona. Ten dollars from Lemmy B. Sending me a little wizard um, emoji. Thanks, Lemmy. Appreciate it. Uh, $10 from the Morphia. This was long anticipated with great excitement. Interesting. I posted it last night, but I guess me talking about how strong or just coming back. But yeah, great to have you back. And thanks for the excellent content. No, thank you. And $25 from Maura Lee saying, missed you. Looking forward to this. Love all your content. Thank you, Mor. I appreciate it. And there was a normal $5 from Danny McKay. who said, happy Saturday and threw up the peace sign right back at you, buddy.
1: Uh, Let's see here. I'm forgetting about something else. Like what else do I normally do to start a stream? There's oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Strongs are not
0: Starks. Incorrect tales of Elbeck. Go watch that video. You're wrong. (laughs) Because I'm right. I'm right about that one. Uh, Yeah. So I forgot about the hat thing. So if you slam that MF and like button up to 150 likes, I will put on for the rest of the stream this very, very fancy wizard hat that I totally not trip Gandalf to steal it from him. That didn't happen. Rumors about that are incorrect. False. Don't believe them. I got that totally, totally legit. Um, And if we hit 200 likes, I will instead warp Digivol from the fancy wizard hat to my germ hat, which is sitting right here, which you can't really see. Uh, let me go ahead and grab this baby, bam, 200 likes. That beautiful total hat goes on my huge noggin. (laughs) I know you all miss slamming the like button, but yeah, please do. It helps out the channel. helps people find it. Um, As you could see from the chat, people are like, oh, where'd you go? So this will help them find it. Um, and what else? There's something else I want to talk about. Oh yeah dying of the light. If you guys are not aware. I'm doing a read through on Patreon. And last month I released chapter one. And I also did the intro as well as before that I did a, Hey, what's the thousand worlds. Cause you're going to be real confused about this book if you don't know what the thousand worlds is. So those have gone up already on Patreon for uh master levels, five and up this month chapters two and three, I'll be releasing uh, later this week. If you don't what Dying Light is, this is, I mean, the title doesn't make it clear, but if you can see here, this is actually George R. R. Martin's very first book published back in 1977. Um, And I have two two pieces of exciting, fantastic, amazing pieces of news. First, I'm happy to tell you who the super secret ringer is that I brought in for chapters two and three. Uh, That is, of course, none other than the master of history himself, Aziz from History of Westeros, who, and I can't believe this, in classic Aziz style, he has managed to already read Dying of the Light multiple times so he can say Valar Ruridus to a random sci-fi book from 1977. Because of course he can. I'm starting to wonder, like, are there books he has not read multiple times in this universe and, like, where he finds time for all these read-throughs? Do you guys like think he's an immortal or like does he have like a painting in his attic keeping his youth while he just chain reads book after book after book? How does he do this? Let me know in the comments. What is the secret to Aziz's powers? Aziz Ahai, Yeah, There's only one Aziz. There's only ever been one Aziz. I don't know how he does it. Um, He's read like his a Song of Ice and Fire like 15 times or something crazy like that. Most people have never even heard Dying of the Light. Never mind, read it multiple times through. But yeah, he'll be on chapters two and three. Uh, those are recorded. At chapter two is done. Chapter three, I'm going to get done tomorrow. So we'll be looking for those. And I said there was two pieces of great news. Um, chat looks okay from your end? Okay, so chat's fine. All right, this is something going on, on my end. Don't worry about it. We'll continue. Uh, the second thing is that the series of these dying of the light read through has been patron only at this point at maester level and up so five dollars and up well for this first guest and because it's aziz and aziz is wonderful i thought i would do something special and i'm going to make chapter two free for anyone to listen to you don't have to be a patron i'm just going to release it you guys can go ahead and listen to it um we had a lot of fun recording it there's a lot of good info and it was actually kind of funny because we expected it to be like i don't know like 40 minutes, an hour, because it's like Dying of the Light, as you can see, is a relatively short book. It's compared to A Song of Ice and Fire, which is like this thick. So I was like, all right, this won't take long. And instead, we talked for an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. I think that's the final runtime of chapter two. Chapter three is around the same time. So yeah, I'm going to give you a preview of this book and how Aziz and I attacked it with analytical vigor. Um, Yeah should be a really good time if you guys are interested thinking about joining patreon to get onto this this will be your free preview um and that's it's actually the true mark that george r. r martin wrote something that we took a relatively short chapter and talked for almost two hours about it which is pretty much what happens anytime someone picks up a chapter from george r, r. martin that's just kind of his thing uh Yeah, so I'll post all about that on social media, YouTube, Patreon when it's available. uh Look for it. Let's see here, maybe Monday or Tuesday. I think that's when it will go out. So, yeah, that'll be that's exciting. I'm really I had a lot of fun with it. Z's was great. There's a lot of good content. A, a surprising amount of the Song of Ice and Fire parallels. I mean, not like going forwards; it's going backwards because obviously George wrote. Dying of the light first, but it's kind of fun to see. Well, no, not kind of fun. It is fun to see how much he has taken throughout his career, like the same concepts, same characters, and this kind of keeps working on them until he gets to the virgins we know and love. All right, now we're actually, actually going to get back into the Harwin Strong content.
1: I promise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now <laughs> we're actually going to do this. Uh, so. I I'm going to guess that
0: unless you have read uh, Fire and Blood, a lot of you don't know who Harwin Strong even is. Why is this guy worth making a stream about? Uh, Well, the time frame is kind of the most important part of why you give a crap about Harwin Strong and particularly the upcoming House of the Dragon. So the time frame is that Harwin was born right before uh, the Dance of the Dragons. He was about, I think he was born in about 90 AC. Dance of the Dragons was about 120, I believe. Hang on a second. I should probably know this.
1: Dance of the Dragons. I think it was 120. Oh, 129 AC. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was off by nine
0: years. How dare I? But yeah. um, So let's go into his backstory. Who is this guy? Why do we care? Um, So this starts with... Lord Lionel Strong, the Lord of Harrenhal, who was made Master of Laws for King Viserys I. Now, Lionel is a fascinating character for another day. But suffice to say that he may have been one of the few, very, very few qualified Master of Laws uh, to serve in that role in the history of the small council. He was an incredibly intelligent man, we had been studying the Citadel, earning six links of his master of his maester's chains before he quit. Um, I th- I believe it's because um, his father died or his older brother died, something like that. He had to go back to become the Lord of Harrenhal, um, and decided he did not want to continue becoming a maester. He was literate. He was clever. And according to Fire and Blood, he was basically like um, Septon Barth, where he knew. Every law in Westeros, inside and out, it's basically like Clint and Mary combined into one mega A Song of Ice and Fire legal mind. That's kind of what he's like. Uh, but he was also a giant of a man uh, whose large size and strength, as well as his habit of speaking uh, quite slowly, was, made him seem uh, quite dumb. People often mistook him for kind of a big dumb galoot that did what he was doing when in fact it was closer to he spoke slowly because he spoke deliberately and he was thinking about what he was about to say which was often apparently just like straight fire wisdom actually for fans of dying of the light this as we get to chapters two and three uh it seems like lord lionel is quite a bit like uh Yontini riv wolf high jade vickery which is the name of an actual character in that book (laughs) um actually during his even with those qualifications you gotta wonder with what came after it uh if Viserys regretted appointing Lionel actually he did not regret appointing Lionel um well we'll get to that a little bit but um Lionel Strong was married three times all three of his wives died in that time Lionel had amassed four trueborn children. Uh we have his eldest son and his heir Harwin Strong, his younger son laris the clubfoot, and two unnamed daughters, literally don't get named. Um not quite sure why. Uh he is named Master of Laws by King Viserys I and Or Otto Hightower. Now how he came to their attention is probably has to do with the Great Council at Harrenhal. If you guys remember the Great Council at 101 was held where? Heron Hall, where the house strong and where Lord Lionel was lord. So it was gifted to the Strong family after the death of Reina Targaryen, who, after her attempts to be the queen in the west and the queen east, uh, and the killing spree by Andrew Farman, lived out the rest of her days at Heron Hall with Bywin Strong basically as her companion and basically took care of her and stuff like that. After Reina's death, Jeheris was so grateful, I guess, to Bywin Strong that he gifted the entire castle and its lands to Bywin, which is how it ended up coming into their family. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's very likely that it's during this great council of 101 that Lionel would have certainly been in attendance for. Um, very likely his sons Harwin and Laris, would have been as well as his daughters. Um I think it's quite clear that given his legal knowledge and how quickly he rises in King's Landing, that the very intelligent and uh, understated Lionel Strong made an impression on the soon to be King Viserys I and the rest of his counselors, maybe Otto Hightower, as it was only four years later after the Great Council that Lionel was named Master of Laws. Now, a lot of times when characters become master or something, they sort of just kick back and put up their heels. Like Renly is master of laws and he didn't seem to do anything. And that's sort of the overwhelming message of what happens with okay, this. Move this back a little bit of what ends up happening with masters of laws. So there's like, it's not a real court system. Like I, you're kind of in charge of the gold cloaks. You're kind of in charge of the prisons. but. You know, Westeros is kind of a
1: um... I mean, it's a dictatorship, so there's not a lot to do. Lionel, though, found a way to,,
0: um, make that job important and took it very seriously, because as he came to King's Landing, he didn't want his sons, which he brought with him, to just be idle court nobles that sort of hung out and went to tourneys and basically were idle rich. Instead, he put them to work laris strong is given over to the confessors aka the torturers of the black cells and learned his crafts that later served him well as master of whispers so that by making a part of the confessors that ostensibly puts laris underneath lionel in terms of uh what his responsibilities are same for harwin harwin um it's not mentioned that he's a particularly smart character he may not have the the same kind of mental aptitude of lionel or laris but what he did get from lionel was uh his incredible size strength and abilities with the sword um you can kind of sort of think of him as like duncan the tall or gregor Clegane. he was said to be the biggest and strongest man in the seven kingdoms at the time and usually when someone says that in history it usually means they were like dunk size or they are gregor size so like close to seven feet tall Incredibly strong, physically imposing, that kind of guy. That's Harwin. And as such, uh, what did Lionel do with his giant of the sun in King's Landing? He puts him to work, and he puts him to work in the Gold Cloaks, making him a captain. Yes, Ramon. <laughs> Harwin, big as a castle wall. Exactly right. Uh, so here's the thing about the gold cloaks. We know that they are not a particularly, what's the right word? Merit. Oriented job. Um, very often the people that are given command of the gold cloaks uh do it because they're expected to be loyal to those who appointed them. And you can kind of see that here. We see that Lionel is positioning um Harwin to not only be his eyes inside the gold cloaks and loyal to him, but also to get him knowledge and expertise. And I guess he put his sons to, to work in law enforcement. Basically, they're cops. It's kind of like that show, uh, what is it, Blue Bloods, except with more swords, where uh, the father's like in charge of all the law enforcement in King's Landing, and then all of his kids end up working for him. It's kind of like that. That's basically what he did. But there's a little twist here. Um, if you guys remember your history, there was a particularly infamous Lord Commander of the Gold Cloaks during this time. Uh, you may remember him as Daemon Targaryen, the Rogue Prince who was the previous master of laws, Damon got fired from the job and then basically made up the gold cloaks kind of well, they sort of existed. There was a city watch, but he turned them into what they were, got them to wear their, their cloaks and stuff like that. And he was known as Lord flea bottom um, because he essentially, while Viserys ruled the court, Damon basically ruled the rest of the city. Um, So when you're looking at, Lionel taking over master of laws from Damon who was fired and then he puts his son under Damon's command it seems uh pretty likely that Damon that uh, Lionel was nervous about Damon's essentially private army and decided to put his son under his command somebody he couldn't fire somebody he couldn't get rid of his eyes within the gold cloaks to see what's actually going on within the city So it is incredibly likely as we get into later parts of the discussion that Damon and Harwin knew each other, probably knew each other really well. Um, There's no noted animosity between them. There's no like, Oh no. And Damon hated Harwin and they competed all the time. And it was like a war for the gold cloaks. That'd be fun, but we don't get any information about that. But we do know one thing about Harwin's time in the gold cloaks uh, as Mentioned in the stream title, he got a fun nickname, "Breakbones." So, how do you think? How do you guys in the chat think that uh, somebody, ostensibly a, a police captain, gets the nickname "Breakbones"? What do you? What do you? Just surmise what you think he was doing. I think uh, I don't. I don't think it's hard to figure out what exactly was going on here. The, a gigantic. Strong fighter, somebody who is not afraid to get into melee, is not afraid to get in scuffles. He's a captain of the Gold Cloaks, meaning he's in the power structure around King's Landing, especially in Flea Bottom and the rest of the city. And everyone knows him as Breakbones. Yeah. You can imagine he was also uh pretty, pretty intimidating as a member of the Gold Cloaks. Like imagine just Rounding the corner, and there's Harwin Strong, probably like seven feet tall, bulky as Duncan or Gregory Clegane, and he's leading around a bunch of the city watch. So, yeah, it's uh, it, pro- it seems pretty clear that Damon was not the only one who had his run of the city. Harwin likely did too. I know brutality and flea bottom, shocking. Exactly. Who who would have thought of it? Unbelievable. Um, yeah, his name is probably a uh reflection of how he dealt with lawbreakers that he didn't send to his father, who's the master of laws, or his brother, one of the confessors in the jail. so there's essentially um this well, one thing we also know is that Harwood is known to engage in quote unquote revelry in the stew of the city um. So this probably means that he would go to the brothels, he would go to parties, he would go to bars and abuse his position in order to get what he wanted and essentially not really do anything to, like, quote-unquote, keep the peace. He was just sort of enjoying his time in King's Landing. Um, Not a super positive image of this young man. It seems very much like he was imitating Damon, which if he wanted to sort of, like, Theorized that maybe this means they got along maybe there was they understood each other and because they had seemed to have a similar attitude towards their jobs perhaps um but there's one thing that i think that's important to note here as just starting this off but also talking about the strongs in the future is that through these connections and through these jobs he's given his sons lionel's doing something very unusual as a lord within King's Landing in that not only is he teaching his sons valuable skills and putting them to work instead of letting them being idle lordlings, essentially, but he's also specifically cultivating knowledge and connections throughout the, um, the underbelly of King's Landing and, um, and the Royal court. He's making sure that his sons know every thief, they know every murderer, they know every, a uh, sleazy smuggler or every back room or that kind of thing the strongs are sort of embracing the fact that they are not a well-known house and taking advantage of what they have which is smarts and strength in order to essentially start to build a power structure around
1: themselves which ends up serving laris strong quite well in the future <laughs> Which I find really
0: uh, fascinating, especially that Lionel is specifically doing this. This is really unusual behavior for a lord to do, and it's very unusual for um for lord for lordling sons. I mean, for a lord's sons to go along with. Very often we see these kind of characters essentially uh, refusing or just going on and being tourney knights or essentially just partying all the time. But you know. Lionel, I mean uh, Harwin and Larys, did what he asked, and so you just have a whole like law enforcement jail,
1: master whispers power structure underlining Viserys's, um rule. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. It's the kind of thing you see at a Baelish and Varys, but it's these guys. Um. And I think there's another thing to note here. I mentioned
0: that Damon and Harwin kind of have a a similarity in personality and how they approach the gold cloaks. So as I said, Damon was known as Lord Fleabottom. And part of this is that a lot of the nobility looked down on Damon for taking this job because it was beneath a lord essentially to actually do anything besides be rich and go to court and like fight wars or something like that. And especially to um, essentially deal with the commoners. It's beneath them. That's the way that they thought. So it's you can probably see that Harwin being a noble young man, the gold cloaks behaving the same way, probably got the same kind of um, reputation around court. If Damon was Lord Fleabottom, maybe Harwin was like Prince Fleabottom or something like that. I think that that's something to keep in mind as we go forward in uh, Harwin's story.
1: <clears throat> Defund the Gold cloaks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is Alice Lionel's bastard or some other strong?
0: Um, from Isabel Lamego. Uh That's kind of unclear in the bu- in the book. I was going to get to that later when we talk about Alice Strong, but um, probably I would guess probably Lionel's bastard, but. It's weird. She kind of gets the old Nan treatment where nobody's really sure where she came from or how old she is.
1: Hey, Magnemator, you did it. Yeah, you caught a stream live. There you go. Um, the The relation, the similarities between Daemon and Harwin, uh, that's going to come up a
0: little bit when we think about one particular important Targaryen they uh, sort of have a connection to. Now, uh, one character, well, two characters I already mentioned that I think you should keep in mind when you're thinking about Harwin. First one is Duncan the the Tall. Uh, I mentioned that Harwin is called the strongest man in the Seven Kingdoms. And it's at this time, it's important to note that in Fire and Blood, we see very, very, very little of Harwin doing or saying anything directly. He does not get scenes. He does not get dialogue. We don't even know what he looks like. Meanwhile, we actually do get physical descriptions of the rest of his family. We know what Laris looks like. We know what Lionel looks like. We know what Alice Rivers looks like. Um, but we don't know what Harwin looks like. And we don't really get a description of his personality except in these inferences. Well, sometimes George does this because he's expecting you to essentially make connections elsewhere in the story and use those characters as uh, informing them. In that case, Duncan the tall seems like a pretty good character to think of when you're thinking about Harwin. He's also a giant strong man in the seven kingdoms. Against a castle wall. doesn't seem like Harwin was particularly bright. Um, I mean myself and actually good timing disputed lands. Amanda just showed up. Uh, I, I am in the belief that Duncan the tall is actually secret strong as is Amanda. we made videos about that whole thing. Um, Dunk also becomes Lord Commander of the Kingsguard in his time, but then there's also Lucamore the Lusty, fathering many, many children despite spending much of his adult life supposedly celibate, the same as Duncan the Tall. That seems to be a running theme with the Strongs, that they tend to uh, find their way in the beds they're not supposed to, break some vows, and kind of gets them in trouble a little bit, to say the least. Um... We also see in all three of the Dunkin' Egg stories we have that Dunk does exactly two things in each of them. The first thing he does in every single story is that he gets into a fight to the death. And the second one is that somebody swoons over him and he basically almost goes to the Bone Mountains or very much wants to. It's quite clear later in his life uh, Dunk actually did this. Uh, We know that Dunk is related to Brienne Despite the fact that he was on the King's Guard. So quite clearly he got down. Lukamore had 16 children, I think. Um, Harwin, it seems like the same thing's happening here. So you use Luka and you lose Dunk in order to inform um personality traits about Harwin. I think that's what you're probably meant to do. Um, I mean, it's quite clear <laughs> that when we're talking about Lukamore and Dunk and Harwin, all three guys deserve to be locked up in horny jail. Sadly, Harwin's father was master of laws, so Harwin would never serve his time for his bonking. (laughs) It's a shame. It's a shame. It's corruption in horny jail. Throw away Harwin. Throw throw away the key. Put Harwin in horny jail. Uh, Same for Duncan Lukemore. But it seems to be like a running thing with their family. So I think In that way, you can use them as templates to understand what George is not telling us about Harwin. Uh, We also know that while Dunk is a winning fighter, he's not particularly a skilled one. In all of his fights in the Hedge Knight, the Sword and Sword, and the Mystery Knight, Dunk is pretty much overwhelmed by his opponent's uh, training and skill with Sword and Lance. Like if it was just on his ability to use his weapons, he would lose. But he wins all the fights because he is giant he is strong and that he learned and he uses essentially street fighting um well well the fancy lads from fancy lad school are using proper fighting techniques dunk essentially just overpowers them and that's probably the same thing here with harwin it's not that he's a good it's not that he's like a skilled fighter or the best with the blade he is just
1: gigantic and good at fighting so you can probably uh think the same thing um some beds yeah um yeah so he's he's like a giant force of nature rather than
0: an elite fighter um and you sort of get the same thing with gregor clegane uh this is the other comparison that i think is pretty straightforward to make um as break from harwin's name tells us that not only was he not above hurting random innocent people and breaking their bones he also did this during tourneys And that is a thing that Gregor Clegane is well known for, that he would be quite cruel in the melee and tourney ring, often um, beating his opponents to within an inch of their life, um, breaking lots of bones. And it's not and that. Gregor is very fast, basically, um, and he's very strong, but it's not noted that he's particularly good at using his sword or his lance or anything like that. Again. Like Dunk, he just sort of bowls people over. And when you think about the fact that, well, in the show we had Gregor as zombie Robert Strong, essentially going around King's Landing as an enforcer, shoving people in the walls, and just abusing his strength. I mean, it's not hard to see that this may be a parallel for Harwin. Uh, this hasn't happened yet in the books, but I think it's pretty much gonna happen. Robert Strong will be used the same way, and the fact that George has him disguised as a Strong um that links pretty clearly. I, we also know this is <clears throat> exactly how Tywin used, Gregor, that he essentially would use him as a shock troop to go kill, pillage and rape his way across the riverlands during the war of the five kings. Um so yeah, keep those both in mind when you're thinking about Harwin. Um maybe dunk with a mean streak is probably the better way to say it. Not quite Gregor, not that depraved and like a terrible person, but Definitely not
1: um definitely not as nice as dunk, I would say. <clears throat> exactly how Brienne won the man me- Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: Uh Brienne won the melee to be on the King Renley's uh Rainbow Guard. Yeah, by being bigger and stronger than Loris, not by being better at him at the sword. Even though Brienne is very good with the sword, she just kind of overpowered him. It's a common running thing. So think of that for Harwin. So That's sort of the backstory of Harrow and strong. So why is this relevant for the dance of the dragons? It seems like he's just like a random character, an echo of Brienne or Dunk
1: or, um, or Lucamore the lusty. So what? Well, this is, uh, this is when we get to
0: the topic of that particular Targaryen, Rhaenyra Targaryen. (laughs) Dunk recalls being a bullion flea bottom. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, That's the skill he's got. So we have Harwin. He's living it up as a captain of the gold cloaks, son of a member of the small council. He is going out, reveling, breaking bones, being a figure at court in his spare time, rubbing shoulders with nobility and at one point a subordinate to the rogue prince. This is where things start to get a little complicated for our young Harwin.
1: And those complications are personified by the crown princess Rhaenyra Targaryen. Rhaenyra was known to be one of the most beautiful women
0: in the Seven Kingdoms and uh, well known as a massive flirt. Uh, side note here, um, this often comes up when you talk about Rhaenyra and her flirtiness and all that stuff like that. Rhaenyra acts basically no different than any other prince of the royal family, but because of misogyny within Westeros, it seems like she's a terrible sinner doing something awesome. Everyone else does the same thing. and Get over it. It's just... Rhaenyra is acting like a royal does. That's that's basically all it is. There's no need to go overboard on how she's like the worst person ever for doing exactly the same thing as her male counterparts. But anyway, so it's presented as like, oh, maybe she did or she didn't do these things in fire and blood. But we're just going to move past that whole mystery and say that, yes, it seems pretty clear that Rhaenyra had quite a few lovers uh, throughout her life that she was not betrothed or married to she was quite flirty she was it seems like she had like sort of a game where she enjoyed um just like seeing who she could seduce especially those that were unobtainable that seems to be kind of her thing she wanted dudes that she couldn't have um the the quote here is great lords and dashing knights fluttered around her like moths around a flame vying for her favor and she seemed to enjoy that um it's also well known that her and and Cole had kind of some sort of mutual interest or attraction to each other, although it is unknown whether they ever made the uh, the dragon with two backs, as it were. There's also the side plot that her uncle Damon. Good old rogue prince groomed her from a young age to love him by doting on her with uh, gifts and attention That later turned out to be not so innocent when he eventually married Rhaenyra. If you want to insert a picture of Viserys, King Viserys looking very upset at that whole development, this is the time. You know, she was acting like normal teenagers. Fine, whatever. Um, Where this gets the Harwin is that... The beautiful, flirty crown princess did not escape Harwin's notice. It's no, it, was no, uh, it was long known that Breakbones had a crush on the princess, and when it came time for Viserys to take suitors for Rhaenyra's hand, Harwin was among them. By this time, Otto Hightower had been fired by King Viserys for trying to disinherit Rhaenyra, basically, and Lord Lionel Strong had been elevated for his years of leal service as a master of laws to and of the King. Which puts him in a position, as has happened many times throughout West Jersey history, with hands of the king, to make the case for marrying his heir to a member of the royal family. This happens constantly. Anytime there's a hand of the king, they almost certainly try to use their power and influence to marry themselves to the royal family. Quite clear, the same thing happened here with Lionel Strong. Um, and again, we can assume that due to his promotion, Harwin had much more access to the royal family than he did previously. Um he knew Damon, but now he has the opportunity to be around all of them because of um Lionel's influence. And if you wanted to be a little more conspiratorial, it's quite possible that Lionel used his position to make opportunities for Harwin and Rainier to run into each other, maybe hoping that his son would win her over and he would end up with his grandchildren on the Iron Throne. Extremely common plot. I would not be surprised if Lionel was doing it. Um, This seemingly did not work out, though. Harwin loses out on the Mary Rhaenyra plan, and instead she is married to the heir of the legendary sea snake Corlys Velaryon, his son, Laenor. Although it's quite clear from this match that... It was one that was made to secure Coley's Valarion as a permanent ally of the crown with his incredible wealth, power, navy. Not so much that Rhaenyra and Lenor actually had anything in common or even liked each other. Uh, why do we know this? Well, because Lenor was famously quite gay and Rhaenyra was uh, very straight. Therefore, they did not ha- have... Um, any sort of overlap in each other. We know, like we know the names of War's lovers. Uh, Two of them include Sir Joffrey Lomlith and the other one is Carl Corey. So this is literally just a political marriage. It is not one that Rhaenyra would have chosen. Um, It's important for this point though that there's no real rumors or anything that Harwin and Rhaenyra hooked up. Um, I wouldn't rule it out though. That may be something that comes up in the show, but the rumors come a little bit later. Um, hey Christina, yeah, I'm back talking about the strongs. I'm totally on brand. Yeah, you guys, you guys are exactly right. It is it is just hypocrisy, it is just misogyny that Rainier is made out to be the devil for doing the same thing every other prince that has ever lived within the Targaryen dynasty did, except for like two. So yeah. Um we also learn in fire and blood that you don't have to assume they, she was unhappy with the marriage. We know she was unhappy. Um, she was a character who had the hots for several unobtainable men in the seven kingdoms, uh, including Kristen Cole. She called him her white knight at every tourney and melee. He, she gave him her favor to wear, which is essentially, um, it's a way of marking like a favorite or something like that they were constantly together she he was basically her sworn shield they were always together um and possibly damon at this time but who knows how many other um stokes renier had in the fire at the time it doesn't really matter the point is that renier did not want to marry laenor and she went directly to viserys and um Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I'm sorry. Tales of El- Elbeck brings up that there were rumors about Rainier and Lena. Yeah, there, there were rumors that way. So, yeah. But the clear thing is, um, Lenor was not interested in Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra was not interested in Lenor. It it, would, it just didn't work. It was a political marriage. Um, so Rhaenyra goes to Viserys and says, call off this marriage. I don't love Lenor. I don't care about him. Everyone knows that he has, um, he already has lovers. He's not going to be interested in me. I don't want this. And Viserys told her to shut the hell up and then threatened to disinherit her in favor of her half-brother Aegon if she didn't get on with it and marry Lenor and do her duty or whatever. Insert Tywin being a dick here. Same kind of discussion that Tywin has with Tyrion and Jaime and Cersei. Exact same thing. Shut up. Do the thing that I'm telling you to do. I'm the head of the family. Blah, blah, blah. So they do end up getting married despite Rhaenyra's extreme unhappiness with this. And we learned that unsurprisingly the married couple spends very, very, very little time together. Um, Laenor preferred to stay on Driftmark with Sir Joffrey Lonmouth. Um, although that did kind of abruptly end. Uh in the run up to um oh, actually it was mostly with Karo right? Why was it Carl Corey instead of uh, Joffrey Lonmouth? in the run-up to the wedding, Coralise decided that Lenore had to get knighted for some reason before he got married. So he was knighted and then they threw a party, an attorney, and they threw a melee. In that melee, Kristen Cole went nuts. Kristen Cole um, ended up finding his way to find Joffrey Lonmouth and
1: caved his head in with a morning star, eventually killing the young man. Not cool. Not a great look from uh Kristen. Um
0: it's rumored and kind of heavily implied that uh part of the reason that Ranier was very unhappy about her potential marriage to Lenor is that she wanted Kristen Cole instead. Uh, We get two different versions of this events told in Fire and Blood. The first one is that when the news comes out, essentially, um, Kristen goes to Rhaenyra, declares his love and says, we can run away together. We'll go to Tyrosh or Volantis. We'll escape your father's wrath. We'll we'll be together forever. Um, The other one is a bit more pornographic, where basically Rhaenyra shows up in the White Sword Tower and says... I've been saving myself for you, Kristen, and drops her robe and stuff like that. Um I actually have the quote here. She found him alone in the White Sword Tower, barred the door, and slipped off her cloak to reveal her nakedness underneath. I saved my maidenhead for you, she told him. Take it now, as proof of my love. It will mean little and less to my betrothed, and perhaps when he learns that I am not chaste, he will refuse me. I don't whichever one it was, I it you're supposed to understand that rhaenyra and Kristen's relationship was more um than it seemed that it was she was quite upset
1: that she could not have kristin one way or the other um who knows maybe both of those things happened um whatever the truth of it that's what you're supposed to understand and this is the point
0: where harwin strong gets a good bonking as it were um So at this time, Rhaenyra is very upset that she's going to be married to a guy that doesn't care about her, that she doesn't like Kristen one way or another. That whole thing has blown up. And life in general sucks for Rhaenyra Targaryen. She's 17 at this time, and she decides she's going to uh, go ahead and jump, break bones as bones, as it were. Uh, The story goes that after the blow up with Kristen, she came across Harwin, who was returning from his night of partying in King's Landing and decided... You'll do. <laughs> Come here. Tonight's your lucky night. The, basically, the what's said in fire and blood. Um, whom amongst us has not made bad decisions when we are upset and under emotional turmoil? Turns out reneer did the same as humans do. And this actually turned out to be a pretty bad one as far as bad decisions go in the long run. Um I was talking earlier about the similarities between Damon and Harwin. And I this is where that comes up. Uh, You can maybe sort of see why she chose Harwin as the one that she's going to get out her frustration with, I guess, with a one night stand um, other than just being a warm body at the moment. Well, for one thing, he's a giant guy and George loves writing for some reason that everyone in Westeros sees a giant character and thinks, I got to fuck it. That's pretty much what everyone thinks. That's what happens to Dunk um it's if i don't i don't quite understand why maybe that's a thing in real life tallness equals traction um but the other thing is that we know that rhaenyra was not just smitten with kristen she was also quite smitten with Damon, and that particular bad decision wouldn't come to pass for quite a few years unless you believe mushroom's story i don't particularly Care one way or another, whether one that that one is true. What is clear is they do end up marrying later. But anyway, Harwin has the advantage of sort of being a discount Damon in this moment. Um, he shares a lot of the same vices, he has a lot of the same backgrounds with Damon. He's a bit of a wild card uh within the gold cloaks, has the same kind of reputation. Now he's not exactly like Lord Flea Bottom. Like I said, he may be like Prince Flea Bottom. And I'm guessing if you wanted to imagine the scene playing out in your head. Harwin may have come across Rainier while wearing his gold
1: cloak, which is a um. Maybe that was all it took. <laughs> maybe that was all it took. Um yeah, there's also rumors
0: that Damon had slept with Rainier as well, taken her virginity, and like did sex lessons or something like that. Uh Damon eventually gets exiled from the seven from Westeros for doing this. Should be noted that while daemon did get exiled hand of the king lionel strong said that you should kill daemon for um for sleeping with rhaenyra just keep that one in mind that'll come up um although it didn't end up being just i guess ice king i guess that's it it didn't end up just being one time rhaenyra uh climbed that thick as a class of wall harwin strong uh it kind of turned into a relationship Unbelievably. Um, we see a very telling detail about that infamous
1: rhaenyra Lenor marriage, and that is there was a melee, um, and Rhaenyra, who had
0: previously given all of her favor to Kristen Cole, instead gives it the Harwin, and everybody notices. Not only that, Leanor sees it and then laughs and then gives his um, his favor to Joffrey Lonmouth so kristen cole who is in this melee goes like so um not only am i not your champion you're saying this guy
1: this is this is who you're with now not even your husband kristen goes into a blind rage um but also
0: queen Allison. at this point this is all drama this is all incredible drama queen Allison, who has uh married Viserys at this point gives her favor to Kristen and Kristen goes nuts. He not only um, brains Joffrey Lannister, he fights Harwin strong and he leaves Breakbones with a broken collarbone and shatters his elbow. Doesn't kill him, but it seems like he tried to uh, this prompted mushroom to nickname him broken bones from thereafter as a fun dig at the fact that he got beaten up by um, Kristen
1: Cole. um and it seems pretty clear this is important pay attention to this part it seems very clear that the
0: rest of the court noticed Rhaenyra's unusual change of giving out of her favor and given that Lenor played along with giving his favor to his public lover uh everyone else sort of put two and two together and realized oh Rhaenyra is humping Arwen that's surprising um Uh, This also comes up while I was talking about the fact that Dunk doesn't have really great like sword skills. Um, Harwin is a similar sort of character. He's the strongest man in the Seven Kingdoms. He's supposedly a great fighter. But Kristen, who is much smaller um, and nowhere near as strong, beats the crap out of Harwin and breaks two of his bones with a mace. So I think that's again, I think that's supposed to remind you of Dunk to essentially go like, oh, right. Someone who is skilled enough could beat Dunk and could beat Harwin. They can just overcome his size and strength. Fine. That makes sense. <laughs> Kristen Cole tried to kill him. The guy was jealous as fuck. Probably. I it's disputed in Fire and Blood whether Kristen did it on purpose, but the fact that he went after Joffrey Lonmouth and he also went after um Harwin, killed one of them and severely injured the other. Right after whatever had happened with Rhaenyra seems um seems a little on the nose. So, so after the wedding and after Rhaenyra plants her favor on Harwin, she and Lenor um essentially don't even give it a shot. Uh, she returns to King's Landing, Lenor remains mostly on Driftmark. Lenor is very upset at this time over the death of Joffrey Lonmouth, who had been basically his longtime boyfriend, and instead of turning to Rhenira, he found a just another another lover in Karl
1: Corey. Uh It seems the, much to be the same for. Rhaenyra as her husband, she
0: did not. Look for any kind of solace from Laenor Velaryne. Instead, she found it in continually in Harwin Strong. Um, whatever it was. Um, despite the one night stand nature of their first encounter, it seems that Rainier found something she really liked in Harwin and she continued discreetly spending her nights with him, especially when Lenor was away with Carl. So that was essentially kind of the, the relationship between them. Rainier would pretend not to notice that Lenor ran off to spend the night with Cor- with Carl, and then she would invite Harwin to her bed or she would go to his bed. And basically everyone noticed everybody it's very hard to carry on secret affairs at the royal court in king's landing and especially because well there's a tons of servants there's always people around and we know from Tyrion and Varys that there are literally people hiding in the walls spying on the nobles so it doesn't seem like rainier and harwin were particularly discreet about what they were doing and everyone found out plus it's not like harwin and rainier can blend into crowds um Rhaenyra is the most beautiful woman in Westeros. Harwin's like seven feet tall and like a giant hulking mass. So there's no sneaking for those two. <laughs> Can't put on a cloak and pretend to be somebody else. Harwin. Um, So you can imagine everybody's surprise when Rhaenyra suddenly ended up pregnant, despite the fact that there are very few nights that she and her husband spent together. Although to the uh, slightly more observant members of court, they were less than surprised with how often they noticed that Rhaenyra was spending her nights with a certain inconspicuous son of the Hand of the King. Uh, this threatened to turn from whispers to an outright scandal when the new prince, Prince Gesseris, was born looking, to put it mildly, nothing like Leonor and nothing like Rhaenyra. Uh, the quote here is born in the waning days of 114 AC. The boy was a large strapping lad. So you can call him strong with brown hair, brown eyes, and a pug nose. Sir Laenor had the acaline nose, silver white hair, and purple eyes that bespoke his Valerian blood. Lainor's wish to name the child Joffrey was overruled by his father, Lord Corlys. Instead, the child would be given a traditional Valerian name, just Friends and brothers would call him Jace. Um, so everyone already knowing that Harwin and are hooking up, were like, yeah, that checks out that that looks like uh, Harwin's kid, not Laenor's. OK. It's also noted that around this time that Rhaenyra moved to Dragonstone to take up her title as Princess of Dragonstone, although this is probably m- motivated a bit by her mutual hatred with of Alicent Hightower, her stepmother. Um. And surprise surprise she brought her new sworn shield with her sir harwin strong that's right he goes with her to dragonstone everybody knows it this is an open secret it's not barely a secret at this point everybody knows what harwin is doing there especially after you got embarrassed by kristen cole she could have a kingsguard as her sworn shield she had done it before Viserys could give her one instead she chooses harwin okay that's how it goes um at this point, if you're Harwin, it seems very likely that your life is just going straight up. You are rocketing into an importance. Um, you are on track probably to become a member of the Kingsguard or Queensguard when Rhaenyra eventually takes the throne. Um, you've had a child with Rhaenyra, so it looks like your bloodline's going to end up on the Iron Throne. You know, things are everything's coming up Harwin. This is great. You're now sworn shield of a princess you have an easy cushy job with the most beautiful woman in Westeros that loves you back or at least really wants to hump you so things are great although not really as it turns out being in a relatively openly the consort to the crown princess when she has quite a lot of enemies and very jealous enemies um who are powerful as well as an entire faction of the court run by the high towers who want her disinherited for um for Aegon the who will become Aegon the second. Well, this is kind of a dangerous position for Harwin to be in, even though it probably seems super awesome. Uh, we'll get back to that part. So the same arrangements basically continue throughout the years between Lenor and Rhaenyra. Um they spend not much time together, but uh, well, so this changes. I think Corlys probably bullies Lenor. And tells them you have to go visit Rhaenyra more to keep up appearances and maybe actually get her pregnant. Because obviously, I, Corlys, know, we both know, Laenor, that that's not your kid. So, the, I think the intention here is to get them to get back together at least a little bit. Um, it said that she he visits frequently, but they don't really spend the night together. Or if they do, the rumors are... There's perhaps another guy in the bed, maybe Harwin, and um, not much happens between Rhaenyra and Leonor She gives birth to two more sons during this time. We get Luceris and we get Joffrey, this one named for Joffrey Lonmouth. And it's, um, it's fair to say that the seed is strong. All three kids look exactly like Harwin, uh, who from their appearance, we can work backwards to actually know what he looks like. So... Uh, all three of them have they're large, they're stocky, they're muscular. They have brown hair, brown eyes and a pug nose. So that's what Harwin looked like. Um, and also we get a little bit of information about maybe what his personality was like by inference from the three boys. So they are quick to fight. They are passionate. They tend to act before thinking. Boy, this sounds right. Right on the nose for Harwin. Uh, although the, they are a bit more clever. Um, then you might think a bit like Lionel, where they sort of get deemed because of kind of being like bro and kind of like big guys. People tend to think they're a bit slow, but they're actually quite smart. It's noted that Jace in particular has a shrewd political mind. Um, all three are also extremely loyal. They are fiercely loyal to their family, to their faction, to their f- to each other. They're also extremely brave, and they're also very bold, willing to go into combat. Uh, so this tells us maybe that these sound a lot like Dunk. So this probably tells us that Harwin is a bit more like Dunk in the Tall than he probably is Gregor Clegane. Yeah, work backwards from the descriptions of Jace, Luke, and Joffrey, and you get what Harwin is like, which is very much like Dunk. It's sort of like the weird daisy chain way that George tells you about Lyanna, um, where... He says that like Liana is like Arya, and Arya is kind of like John and, and that like triangular
1: way you get her description. Um, Yeah, more like Dunk. So probably a more wholesome
0: person, but probably a lot like um, I, th- I think the trick to Harwin is that Harwin is Dunk if he grew up as a strong instead of a kid from Flea Bottom. I think that's what you're supposed to understand. That's my guess. At this point, Lenor and Rhaenyra have essentially settled into what is a kind of an open relationship. Um, Rhaenyra is aware that Lenor runs off to Carl Corey. It seems that Lenor is quite aware that Rhaenyra is banging Harwin Strong all the time. Um, there is a rumor that Lanor and Renir would only go to bed together if there was another guy there maybe it was Carl Corey maybe it was Harwin or something like that um true or not it seems to be quite clear that uh they did not hate each other they eventually got to the point where they like maybe they were more like friends or something like that um quite clearly though Lanor never actually got around to impregnating Rhaenyra all three kids were Harwins um we learn in Fire and Blood that it goes so far that Harwin was even present at the birth of each of the strong boys, like right next to Lanor So they're essentially high-fiving each other. Good job, you knocked up Rhaenyra. Um, If this was a sore spot for Lanor and quite clearly he and everybody else knew that um, he was being cuckolded by Harwin, it seems unlikely that Harwin would be allowed to be in, in the birthing bed, never mind on like Dragonstone, like this would be a very big problem if he cared. So I think it's fair to say that Leonor did not care. Um, We don't get a lot of information on his personality. So maybe this is something that will come up in House of the Dragon. But yeah, it seems like he's, he's just happy to go along with the, um, that they are quote unquote married, but as long as he can do what he wants, he doesn't care what she does. Um, Although important to note, While this may be true for Lenore, the rest of the royal court does not agree with his seeming, um, his seeming lackadaisical attitude towards the fact that his three quote unquote legal sons are not his. Um, it's pretty much an open secret that Rainier had given birth to three bastards and and it begins to become a real problem for her. But, um, Viserys in particular. The whispers were so loud and close to becoming shouts that Viserys literally declared that anyone that suggested that Rhaenyra's sons were bastards or strongs would have their tongues ripped out with hot pincers. That is not a thing you declare for something you've never heard of that any that anyone's in the dark about. Clearly, everyone knew it and was talking about it. So Viserys is like, all right, well, I'm just gonna start ripping tongues. You wanna keep this up. This is what we're gonna do. Um Oh yeah! Please slam the like button. Appreciate you guys. Just gently prodding this the, the like button. Hopefully my computer doesn't crash again. I don't know what that was. Um, uh, this is also informed in Fire and Blood directly by the fight between Jace, Luke, Joffrey, and Amon One Eye. When Amon became Amon One Eye, <laughs> it started over an argument over Vagar, um, who was Lena Valarian's uh, dragon. Aemon was trying to steal it, or essentially mount Vagar. They got into an argument, and Aemon essentially goes, "You guys aren't even Valarions. What do you care about?" Um, they end up fighting. One of them pulls out a dagger. I think it takes out Aemon's eye. There's a whole big kerfuffle. It leads up to Viserys declaring that thing. So, again, this is an open secret. Everybody knows, and Viserys is trying to essentially use the threat of violence to keep people from talking about it. Yeah, about that one Uh, doesn't doesn't super work. Everyone knows. So then we get to a very curious fire, a very,
1: very, very curious fire. Um, So this is probably outside
0: the scope of a stream. About Harwin Strong in particular, but it's important to note around this time, a lot of powerful people around court started dying in very convenient and mysterious ways. Uh, having been denied by Ranira, Damon had been, found himself married to Rhea Royce, who he spent no time with, didn't care about. All of a sudden, she dies. Damon
1: celebrates, he ends up um marrying lena of instead. But in between this, there's a there's another bit of drama about Damon. Um, He
0: she was actually betrothed to the son of the former Sea Lord of Bravos, who had died. And I guess he was a bit of a fuck up. So Coralise wanted to break the arrangement and Damon did, too, because they had become best buds while doing the conquest of the Step Zones. So Damon essentially bullied the guy until he challenged him into a duel. Damon cuts his head off with Dark Sister. Lena Valarian is freed from her engagement. The two of them marry. So it's setting up a perhaps a pattern here that Damon tends to kill spouses he doesn't like or he's totally willing to kill the spouses of somebody he wants to marry. Um, unfortunately, uh, Lena Valarian dies in 120 AC after giving birth, getting I've I don't remember this being in a Song of Ice and Fire anywhere else, but we have um, she gets childbed fever, giving birth to another monstrous baby, which is apparently a thing that happens to Valerian to Valerian sometimes. Uh, I guess they just give birth to like twisted half dragons. Seems to come up a bit. Uh, don't really know why. Uh, shortly thereafter. Curious. So now we have Damon without a wife. Lane is dead. He still wants rhaenyra He was exiled for trying to pursue her. Shortly thereafter, Lenor Vlorian is murdered. We get a few stories about this. Um, the basic level is that he was killed at a fair at Spicetown, but who did it is um up for grabs. We get th- we did a few different stories about this. The first one is supposedly Lenor was walking through the fair with Carl Corey. They get into a fight and apparently draw daggers on each other. Carl. Stabs Lainor to death and then flees, um, gets away quite easily and quite effectively, which has led some to be a little suspicious of that. Uh, the other story is that it wasn't Carl, but it was just a member of his household guard, a knight that was sworn to him, or something like that. Um, but the third story is that it wasn't a lover's quarrel and it wasn't a member of his household guard that was mad at him. It's suggested that Damon paid for the murder in order to free Rhaenyra from or so that he could move in and marry her. Um, Mushroom contends that with Lana dead, Dana, Damon wanted to clear the way. And so he went ahead and had Lainor killed. Since it's clear that he basically he did murder more or less Lena's betrothed to get to her, and suggested that Rhea Royce may have died by his hand in order to get out of that marriage, perhaps this is a pattern of behavior for Damon, and he went ahead and killed Lenor. Um it's not explicitly said at this point, but if you believe the idea that Damon was killing Lenor in order to get at Rhaenyra, well, killing him does not actually. Get him ranira doesn't get his doesn't get him married to her because as I've said, Lenor and um Raira were functionally not married they they her heart and I guess her bed, which is what he cares about, belonged to Harwin strong so if you believe that he killed Lenor, he also has the same motive for killing Harwin, getting him out of the picture
1: um Keep that one in mind. That one will come up. Actually, it will come up very quickly. I just remembered where I was
0: in my outline. So why do I bring this up? Because shortly after all this, Viserys makes a move about Harwin. He's had enough of the rumors about Rhaenyra having bastard children. She's ha- he's also had enough that Rhaenyra is openly carrying on with Harwin, and he's going to start ripping tongues out. As a part of this, Harwin is sent away from Dragonstone and sent away from Rhaenyra, sent back to the Riverlands, back to Harrenhal. Um, These come at the same time. So I think you can read between the lines and understand that Viserys had a stern talking to with Rhaenyra and said, get rid of him. I don't want these rumors anymore. I'm going to start killing people and I don't want to have to kill
1: Harwin. So save his life and send him away. Um, so this ends up happening. Harwin gets sent
0: back to Hall, but he doesn't return to Hall alone. His father, Lionel Strong, is still hand of the king at this time. And for some reason, he accompanies Harwin back to Harrenhal, um, which is a bit strange because it doesn't seem like Harwin Larys or Lionel basically ever go back to, to Hall while after leaving to become master of laws, it seems the three of them spend all their time in the crown lands. So why it's kind of unclear why, why uh, Lionel went with him. Uh, It may have been kind of like a political move to kind of maybe like ease the tension between him and Viserys that his son was humping the crap out of Rhaenyra and uh, fathered three bastards on her. They use this like maybe about to be killed or something like that. Uh, Kind of unclear. But what does happen afterwards is not unclear. Um, Almost immediately after they get back to Harrenhal, a fire breaks out in the castle and it kills Harwin and Lionel along with his servants and retainers. Um, Supporting his heartbroken son, that could be it too. Yeah, maybe he was being a loving father and he's like, yeah, this is rough Harwin. I'll come back with you. We'll hang out. You know, you'll get over this. Don't worry about it. Um, Because this had, yeah, this had to be a big blow to Harwin. Clearly, he had quite a lot of affection for Renier. He's also being separated from his sons, which he obviously knows are his. So, yeah, this is a this is a very tough emotional time for the young man. Um, he also may be thinking, "Wow, I might be about to be killed, or have my tongue ripped out, or maybe Viserys is
1: going to punish me somehow, other than just sending me back home." Um, so. Right after this happens,
0: fire and blood essentially runs through the possible suspects of maybe this was an accident. Maybe this fire was a hit that Lionel and or Harwin were killed on purpose. Um, Top of the list, as I mentioned, is Daemon Targaryen. Harwin is a romantic rival for Rhaenyra at this point. Um, He's the only one standing between himself and Rhaenyra with Laenor now dead via suspicious stabbing. If you believe that Damon killed Laenor, it's quite possible he did the same to Harwin. Get him out of the way. Make sure that he can marry his niece because he's kind of very gross things that Damon's up to. Um, Now, this is is just speculation here, but perhaps they were not fans of each other when they were in the gold cloaks together. Um, Maybe there was animosity between them. Maybe he knew that Harwin was there basically to spy on them and to make sure that he didn't get out of line it's suggested they were very alike but you know sometimes people that
1: are very like clash with each other instead of getting along um but again this is this isn't in the text this is only if you want to invent a reason why they might
0: not like each other beyond the fact that um Damon wants rhaenyra then you you can maybe suggest that they had troubles with each other while they were in the gold cloaks. That could happen.
1: Um, it's not hard to understand that coworkers would not be fond of each other. Um,
0: <laughs> that's a good call, JT. So I don't think it would be Harwin's tongue that would be removed. Yeah, you'll probably get the Luca treatment. His. Uh, yeah. the <laughs> geldin and sent to the night's watch is a very big possibility considering Luca the lusty, so. Yeah, he may be getting off light here. Um also, Damon has another possible motive here, and that's killing Lionel Strong in particular. There may have been a rivalry between the two men. Lionel was hired as Master of Laws because Damon was let go. Not only that, the Master of Laws is sort of supposed to be in charge of the Gold Cloaks or the City Watch, but Damon essentially acted like they were his own personal army. And with the the large knowledge of all the laws and stuff like that you can imagine that um lionel strong was not super happy that damon essentially treated it like um treated like he was a king of a small kingdom within king's landing that maybe he wanted damon to answer to him and to do things in a very proper legal way you can see that being a conflict um and also i mean that's just speculation but the thing that we definitely know that could come between them is that when Damon's indiscretions came before Viserys and the small council, Lionel was handed to the king, and he's the one that said, kill Damon, cut his head off for this. So if Damon heard that Lionel was in favor of murdering him for something he may have not done, that could be like a revenge angle for Damon too. If he can kill somebody in the Vale, if he can kill Lainor Velaryon, presumably
1: he can kill somebody in the Riverlands too. I have a good impression of Damon. Oh. I I don't know. I'm not- I can't do a Matt Smith.
0: He's too tweedy for me. Um, so yeah, there's there's good reasons for Damon wanting to kill Harwin and Lionel at the same time. So that one should probably be near the top of the list. Uh, another one suggestion of who would have killed him is Laris Strong, his younger brother. With the argument goes within the story that with Lionel and Harwin dead, Laris inherits the lordship of Hall but there's also no noted like love, but be- love between the brothers. You can maybe infer there was because between Jace, Luke and Joffrey, there was a lot of loyalty to each other. Maybe that Harwin was the same toward Laris, but we don't know either way. It's not noted that they hated each other. or They loved each other. Um, but the I find the Lord of Hall angle pretty, pretty lame. Like it's it's pretty hollow. It's not a good it's not a good one. Why? Because being Lord of Harrenhal is bad. You don't want to be the Lord of Harrenhal. It's a big expensive castle. It has no levies or basically very few of them. You have basically no vassals. It doesn't have a lot of incomes. And it's basically just like a giant money sink. Far from King's Landing. Which is not where Larys wants to be. And as far as we know within the books. Larys never takes ownership of the castle. He never goes back. So if he killed his brother and father. In order to become Lord of Harrenhal. He didn't do shit with it so that
1: seems like a um that seems like a pretty uh weak motivation there like maybe if you got casterly
0: rock i would believe it but Harrenhal hall is not that valuable like most people that get it die within a generation it's it's just a it's a bad castle to own um The one suggestion that does work in its favor, though, is that during the Dance of the Dragons, Lair seems to support Aegon II over Rhaenyra. So I don't think you can rule it out that maybe he was. He if he helped kill them, maybe it was out of some kind of loyalty to the Greens or something like that, since obviously Harwin was the he was called the champion of Rhaenyra. He was the champion of the blacks, uh, the black side of the Dance of the Dragons.
1: Um. So who knows? But I I don't know. I don't I find those ones pretty weak. Um, I don't particularly like them.
0: Number three is a little more interesting, Coralice Valarion. So this one comes down to the idea that Coralis was pretty unhappy with the fact that Harwin was cuckolding his son, and he also made his legal public heirs. Not members of his house or his bloodline. Because as it stands, as of Lenor's death, all of Corlys's holdings were gonna to go to Harwin's sons, which he would not have been happy about and he obviously knew about. And neither were the members of House Valarion. His uh his nephews and cousins petitioned Viserys to name them Corlys's heirs instead of the Strongs or um, the quote-unquote Valarions. On the grounds that, like, hey, we're actually Valarions. Those guys are bastards. Spoiler alert, Viserys ripped out a whole bunch of their tongues for saying it. So it stands to reason here that Corlys is quite furious about the whole situation and the Strongs. He's probably got an axe to grind with them. And Viserys very publicly demonstrated that Corlys cannot take revenge publicly or even admit that these kids are not his own. Uh, these kids are not his grandchildren. So you can imagine that Kois maybe took his revenge quietly. And he started by taking out Harwin and Lionel for essentially
1: forcing this farce on him. Um, again, we can assume that the that the
0: strong bastard tongue removals came at the urging or maybe under the supervision of Lionel Strong. So it could also be sort of revenge for the rest of his family who all got messed up by... By being essentially speaking the truth that like, hey, these these kids aren't a member of our family. Knock it off. Um, so Corlys could be quite upset about the whole thing and maybe interested in eliminating members of House Strong uh, in order to essentially reclaim his dynasty from them. Uh, oh, super chat from Koi Vanasi. Nobody wants to be Lord of Harrenhal in peace, but in war, everyone moves to seize immediately. True. But that means you don't want to be the Lord of Harrenhal in war either because it means the second the war breaks out everyone's rushing to take your castle from you and you're gonna be under attack really fast. So yeah it's it's
1: bad. Don't nobody wants to be Lord of harrenhal Shitty job. Don't want it um so the
0: next one that comes up is Viserys himself. His sending away Harwin um was obviously because he was cuckolding Lenor and causing a massive public headache for Viserys he now has to essentially bring his whole court back together with this scandal exploding um and you can imagine realizing that his hand his sand son and his daughter were were doing the old dragon with two backs for years could have soured that relationship maybe in a rage Viserys ordered the two of them killed um He didn't want to do it in King's Landing to not get his hands dirty, so he arranged for it to happen at Harrenhal. Um, And there's also maybe a little bit of um, descriptive language that supports this in the method of death. So it was Balerion the Black Tread that previously killed the Lord of Harrenhal, Black Heron, and his sons when he melted it into a ruin uh, while being ridden by Aegon the Conqueror. And then you have lionel strong and his son harwin both dying in flame at heron hall well balerion's still alive at this time and who is balerion's writer the series. so if you wanted to use that as kind of like a narrative flare way of george marking who did it
1: that's not that's a that's a fair comparison maybe it was uh the fire of the king again that did it Um, so the
0: last candidate here is the High Towers. Otto Hightower has a lot of gr- access to grind with the strong family. Otto High Tower is fired its hand of the king and replaced by his subordinate Lionel Strong. And it's after the fire that kills Lionel that Otto makes his way back to King's Landing and reasserts himself as Hand of the King. Uh, maybe the fire was about killing Lionel and it had really nothing to do with harwin maybe it was just him trying to get back into power that seems fairly reasonable people are power hungry and since if you wanted to believe that laris had something to do with it well laris is seemingly on the side of the greens so if this benefits otto maybe
1: this is an early sign that laris is on their side um Kind of
0: seems like kind of a dick for Viserys to let Rhaenyra send him away only to murder them. Yeah, but I mean, kings do that kind of thing. Um, if you don't want to be in a way, it gives Viserys cover because he can say, well, like, well, I didn't kill him. I just exiled him. So Otto Hightower um, has good reason to get Lionel out of the way, and he directly benefits from his death. Um, not so much anything with Harwin. I don't think he probably doesn't care. That Rhaenyra and Harwin were hooking up it actually makes his case easier because the greens take the fact that Rhaenyra, um was screwing around on Lenore as a character flaw and they play it up so I don't think he's actually mad at, about Harwin with anything Lionel would be the target in that case um, but the actual last candidate here for me and this is one that's not mentioned at all in the book that I think is something that shouldn't be discounted uh, that is Alice rivers and the strong cousins. So if you don't know who Alice rivers is, uh, there was a question about it earlier. She is a bastard daughter of somebody in house strong. It's kind of unclear. One suggestion is it's Lionel strong, baby, his father. Um, she is kind of like an uncertain
1: age. It kind of gives her like this mystical appeal. Um, but it's not just her. Um, While Lionel,
0: Harwin, and Larys are in King's Landing, it's actually the rest of the Strong family that rules in Harrenhal. In particular, uh, the elder Simon the Strong and his sons, they basically rule Harrenhal while the rest of the Strong family is away. Um, After Lionel and Harwin die, Larys becomes lord, but it's Simon and and the rest of the cousins that um, stay in charge. And they stay that way. Until they have to surrender it to Damon, who is then freed by Kristen Cole, but then murdered by Amon one eye and Vegar at this point, though that old Alice Rivers lady she becomes the witch queen of Heron Hall and she rules it almost as like a sorceress or um she essentially like seduces Amon and becomes he becomes like her pet dragon, and they go around the riverlands killing people basically wherever she points, so if you're looking for somebody that is um that benefits quite a lot from the death of lionel and harwin maybe it's an axe to grind with them and is seemingly okay with lots of people dying alice strong's near the top of the list i mean alice rivers maybe this was like um a long-term plan for her to eventually eliminate the other members of her family um to seize control herself or if you if you don't maybe not alice but maybe simon maybe simon and the rest of the strong's were tired of the bullshit of the king's landing strongs and they decided to take it for themselves um that's a fairly decent motive i wouldn't um i wouldn't discount that one either um okay so harwin's dead he burned alive story's over right well not quite uh despite his immolation
1: his bloodline continues um jace luke and joffrey all
0: take active part in the dance of the dragons once it once it breaks out they are often chomping at the bit begging rhaenyra to be allowed to ride their dragons into battle and fight for their side um and up until the death of joffrey and by the end of the dance when everyone starts dying including rhaenyra it looks like against all odds harwin's gambit with rhaenyra is going to work out that one of his sons will end up ruling Westeros. Um, Luke dies first, then Jace, then Joffrey. So, um, but it's it's kind of the things that make them interesting and good. And I don't know about good people, but like makes them the reasons you think they would be probably good as monarchs. Maybe the um, their bravery, their boldness, their loyalty, and that's sort of the thing that gets them killed. Um, maybe traits
1: from Harwin coming through. Um. although I will note that it's not I think it's pretty clear that the boys at least when they're
0: younger don't know Harwin as their father or they're at least quite in denial about it maybe Rhaenyra, uh reinforces the idea that they're all lies because they react pretty strongly to being called bastards they think they're Lanor's kids Um. but even if they didn't know that harwin's their father um given that that harwin served as rainier's sworn shield and was literally in the birthing room with her and constant companion um he would have known all three of the boys pretty well and he probably participated in their upbringing i mean they're on dragonstone there's no one else around harwin's there he's a a giant pretty good fighter um they seem to have taken after him a little bit in personality so I would guess that he sort of acted as their maybe like a stepfather or something like that with um where Lenor was n- maybe not he didn't seem to have much an influence on them but Harwin seemed to quite a lot and he also may have been the one to encourage them to be brave and to be bold and to learn to fight and learn how to use weapons and defend themselves Um, I mean this is just speculation but the only dialogue yeah this is only speculation the only dialogue we get about their true father is that all three boys basically deny that Harwin's their father um but he probably it seems very likely that he had quite a big influence on them even if they did not realize who he really was um a uh, question from Nicola Yurkin is house could gain related to house strong. Crowfoot's um, uh, daughter, Amanda thinks so. Um, they certainly have a lot of the same language about them, the same kind of size. I would be more inclined to believe that um, Sandor seems much more in line with characters like Dunk um, more than Gregor is, but maybe Gregor's like the evil version of them. Um, how that would work. I have no idea. There's a lot of these bloodlines and um, and missing family trees for you to understand how exactly the Clegane's would have ended up with the Strong's blood or Dunk's blood, but um, all the same reasons that all the same comparisons you can make between like Brienne and Dunk work pretty well for Sandor and Dunk too. So narratively, it certainly I think you're
1: supposed to wonder but I don't know if it's true or not. Um, uh, so talking about how
0: Harwin's influence continue throughout the story, Jace in particular seemed to take after his father's lusty ways and lucamores and dunks. Uh, when Jace went to the veil vale to get the loyalty of lady Aaron to back Rhaenyra, uh, according to mushroom, there was a surprising stipulation to her, uh, Backing the black faction. And that is on the condition that Jace would um rock her world in bed. And given the fact that the Aaron's did actually end up backing Rhaenyra in the war, this suggests that perhaps Jace actually went through with it and uh put on a strong performance in the bed. But it's also noted that Jace has a pretty skilled political mind and he's good at getting people to like him. So
1: could go either way. It's a weird rumor, though. Like, I don't what the hell's going on there? Um, but then we get another story about
0: Jace being a little lusty. Uh, he traveled to Winterfell to get the loyalty of cregan Stark for Reneira in the same trip, and again we get sort of different tales of what happened. One is the political side where he and Cregan hit it off Jace as a Personable guy, they get along, um, they become as close as brothers, they go hunting, everything's awesome, and it's his charming nature that convinces cregan to sign on for Rainier's side. The other story, the one from Mushroom, tells that uh actually cregan and Jace did not get along because Jace showed up in Winterfell and jumped into bed with his half-sister Sarah Snow, and then ended up marrying her in front of a Weirwood. And it was only through some very tense negotiations between Jason Cregan that then en- that Cregan ended up siding with the blacks, but initially it didn't, it didn't go well. Now, I don't know if either of these stories are true. How would, how would we, this is all the information we have, but it's, it's certainly suggestive that. George is dropping these very sexually charged rumors about Jeserys who is the son of Harwin
1: who given the circumstances you can guess he probably would have acted in the same way so um it could uh, they could just be
0: foreshadowing um to essentially or um stuff to back up the idea that the two of them are related, but I don't know. Um, the Sarah Snow thing comes up quite a bit and it's got a lot of detail to it. That would be kind of fun if it shows up in House of the Dragon. I would like to see that one, but who knows? Um there's a whole big love story about it. There's also the story that Jace left behind a dragon egg. That one seems least likely. Uh Sarah Snow is probably the quote unquote dragon egg and the dragon egg's a baby or something like that. Um
1: Maybe there's Ice and Fire and House Stark long before Jon Snow. Um, Another thing to talk about
0: here is that maybe Harwin had more children than just those three with Rhaenyra. Dunk had tons of kids we were meant were led to believe. Um, Somehow he ended up in House Tarth of all places with Brienne. There's probably quite a a lot of other kids that are Dunks. We know Lucamore the Lusty had something like three wives and 16 kids. So if Harwin's jumping into bed with the princess of the Seven Kingdoms because he's going because he needs to get bonked and go to horny jail, I would doubt she was the only one that he's uh, hooked up with throughout his time in King's Landing, especially being a gold cloak. um, It should be noted that the gold cloaks tend to spend a lot of their time and effort protecting the brothels and the Street of Silk much more than the rest of king's landing and harwin seems to be doing much the same that he enjoyed his time abusing his power around the city making luca more proud so if you're looking for a potential genetic connection that links the strongs to duncan the tall which i for one am interested in harwin or lionel leaving behind children in flea bottom And the city at large makes some sense. Dunk was only born about 80 to 90 years in King's Landing after Harwin and Lionel's deaths. So it's not impossible that Dunk is like two or three generations removed from Harwin. Which would make the um, the, the genetic connection work. Not hard to imagine that Harwin had more kids and that some of them ended up becoming Dunk's father or grandfather or something. It is quite common for guys like Harwin to have lots of kids. So
1: that's sort of where uh, Harwin ends in Fire and Blood. Um, Laris's story continues for a bit, as does Alice Rivers. But after his three sons die, he kind of fades out of the narrative. (laughs) Sarasen existed and married Jace as fire and blood hill I would die on. I agree Don
0: Shame. I think that's the true story. That sounds way too on the nose for the character of these kids. Um the rest of House Strong in general sounds like a great parallel for and also the pact of ice and fire that gets um gets forged eventually like all makes sense to me. So now that we're uh done talking about Fire and Blood, let's talk a little bit about House of the Dragon. Um, Let's talk about what's going on with Harwin Strong and where he is in this TV show. Um, Notably, Harwin Strong is one of the characters who, if he has been cast, he has not been announced. Um, But when you look at the rest of the show, they've announced quite a lot of the major characters and acting. Um... I mean, you have Rainier, you have Allison, Otto Hightower, Viserys, Coralise. We've seen a lot of set photos where they've clearly cast uh, a lot more members of House Velaryon and members of the court. Um, I forget the guy's name, but it's, I think he's like Australian or something like that guy with a beard and bald. There's been speculation that he may be Lionel Strong, but that hasn't been announced. He, uh, wait, has it been? He, I, that guy's in
1: House of the Dragon, but I don't think his role's been announced. Um. So the fact that the character
0: hasn't been announced has led some to speculate that maybe Harwin has been cut. Um, same sort of thing like Mushroom and Laris and a, and a bunch of other secondary characters within the Dance of the Dragons. And backing this up is the idea that if House of the Dragon takes place around the start of the dance, Harwin died nine years before it broke out. So he would not be on screen if they're following the, the timeline. He's dead. He died in a fire, so that can't happen. Um, But we do know to counteract that that a young Rhaenyra and young Alicent have been cast. Emma D'Arcy and Olivia Cook will be playing Rhaenyra and Alicent when they are older, right around the time of the dance. But Millie Alcock and will be young Rhaenyra, and Emily Carey will be young Alicent. This suggests that there will be flashbacks to when they were teenagers, which, as I mentioned earlier. Ranira hooked up with Harwin when, when she was a teenager. So
1: um, if they're doing flashbacks to this time, it's quite likely Harwin will show up. Um, That, yeah, that's, that would be where he would feature. And I'm guessing that if Harwin's in the show,
0: that's where we'll see him in these kind of flashbacks to when the, the seeds of the dance started, which was around him. The start of her relationship with Rhaenyra would be something we'd see Um, him being at her side um, as the young version being her sworn shield. Maybe the birth of her sons. Maybe he'll be if they show that he'll be there. Um, And also perhaps when eventually, obviously, in House of the Dragon, all three spoiler alert, all three boys die. So if you're following Rhaenyra and you want to show grief for her, she may remember Harwin because she had quite a lot of affection for him when his, his sons die, it's, it'd be logical for her to think about him. So I would guess that would be it. Um, of course though, this assumes that they will be following the exact timeline from the books to the show. If they compress things or change it, Harwin could very well be alive at the start of the dance and have his fiery death happen, um, on screen. Like, for instance, if his death was actually ordered by Damon through Mysaria or um, through Laris or something like that, then that could be used as characterization for Damon to show him ordering murders on screen. Um, there's also the possibility, I mean, the fire that started at Harrenhal um, killed them. But I mean, another way you light a fire is a dragon. Maybe somebody very sneakily threw a dragon to Hall and burnt up the tower, pulling a egg on the conqueror. But anyway, um, if I was writing the show, I would move Harwin's death m- to the beginning of it. Season one, because that'll add, uh, quite a lot for moving the plot forward, especially if they've cast Lionel, if that guy, if I get his name, if he's actually Lionel, then Why are you showing him? Why are you casting that character if he's not going to show up? They die at the same time. So I would guess that means Harwin has been cast and they either haven't shot it yet or they just haven't announced it. Clearly, they've cast a lot of other characters they haven't named. So I wouldn't rule that out because it hasn't been announced. And uh, there are some table reads and stuff like that with uh, pictures of the cast. And there are a few uh, faces there that are kind of unknown. Um, look to be two or three young men that um, don't appear to be members of the announced cast. So that one of them could be Harwin strong. So that's my take on, will he show up? I think yes, definitely in the flashbacks. Um, I would think it would be a strong characterization and something to put on the screen to have him and Lionel die in season one, instead of having them happen in the past off screen. That'd be pretty good. Um, but um, there's another reason that people think Harwin has been cut. <sighs> I haven't talked about this one yet, um, and that is because Corley's Velaryon was cast uh, with the actor Stephen uh, Toussaint, Toussaint um, who is black, not white. And as well, from the set photos, it looks like most, if not all of House Velaryon uh, has been cast as black actors as well. The logic as it goes, is that because that because of this Harwin will be cut
1: because to have him in the show will ruin the plot. Um, I think from the look on my face, you probably understand where I'm about to go with this. I didn't make a video
0: or a stream about this. I made some tweet threads about the time when uh where Steven was cast as Coralise, uh, because I didn't really have a lot to add. I thought Tony Teflon and Grey Area, uh, among others, made really good videos talking about like why it's okay to change the ethnicity or just make the ethnicity different for these characters. But in particular, since we're talking about Harwin, um, I'm gonna go ahead and attack the idea that the plot is ruined because of that casting choice. So why people think the plot will be ruined is because if Lenor is black or a mixed character like his father, when Rhaenyra has her sons and they all turn out pasty white, it will be obvious that her kids aren't Lenors. That's sort of the argument you get about why that ruins the plot. Well, here's why that's wrong and bad. <laughs> Uh, first of all, in the text of Fire and Blood, as I've been talking about, it is blatantly obvious that everyone in the King's Landing court knows that Rhaenyra's sons are not Laenor's. Aemon specifically brings this up to the boys before they fight and Aemon loses an eye that they look common, basically, and they don't look like Laenor and they don't look like Rhaenyra and they're not Valarions. Uh, so the idea that their skin color being different from their father would ruin it is kind of it's silly because along with the other physical similarities, the point of the plot is that everyone knows they're not Lanors. It doesn't matter how you show it, um, because this is kind of a misunderstanding from Fire and Blood that it's presented as a mystery that it's like, I maybe they are, maybe they aren't. That's incorrect. The The right take on that is that, yes, everybody knew top to bottom, including King Viserys, that Viserys specifically was ripping tongues for people repeating the rumor because he knew about it. <laughs> like, you don't do that for something that's something nobody knows, that it's like a court secret. Clearly everybody knew. Um and also that he sent away Harwin from Rhaenyra said he cannot be your sworn shield anymore. He has to go. Why would you do that publicly if nobody knew that Harwin was her, was the actual father of those kids? Well, you don't. It's quite clear that they did. Um, and the reason I think that people think it's a mystery comes back to Jamie and Cersei. Because obviously, if you think about Harwin and Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra has a lot of similarities with Cersei. Um, the fact that her sons don't look like their supposed father is quite clearly, uh, resonant with the idea that Cersei's kids don't look like Robert. Um, the problem is that while those plot points are similar, the, the framing around them is not similar at all. And, um, that's because Jamie and Cersei, um, having a relationship and cuckolding Robert is actually framed as a mystery within the story. Harwin and Rhaenyra is not framed that way. The reason is that Harwin and Rhaenyra uh, were not hiding that they were, um, that they were a couple, that they were fucking. At her wedding, or at the, um, the tournament or wherever it was, she gave Harwin her garter to wear in the melee. And then Laenar saw that, laughed, and gave it to his own public lover, Joffrey Lonmouth. That's kind of a moment like all the smiles died. Everyone went, oh, these two are together. They just said it out loud. They said it to everybody. Okay, that's what's going on here. Rhaenyra's humping Harwin.
1: Um, And uh, to go along with that, Harwin imported,
0: uh, Rhaenyra imported Harwin from the Goldcloaks to be her sworn sword, her sworn sword, kind of awarded a note to on Dragonstone, and was her constant companion literally for years. Plus, they were seen around King's Landing sneaking off to be with them or him coming to her, her chambers at night. I mean, when two people's spend that much time together it doesn't take long for gossip mills to start and people to wonder well maybe they're spending time together because they're not good friends maybe it's because they're having an affair like that happens
1: instantly that is a constant thought in the real world and in universe um yeah good call
0: Doris Jane. that's how you make your relationship instagram official give them your favor and attorney that's what it means um And then there's also the fact that apparently the entire court knew that uh, Harwin was present at the birth of all three kids.
1: So yeah, they, they weren't being secretive. Everybody knew, but
0: that's different from Jamie and Cersei because they went very far to make sure nobody knew that they were hooking up. Um, And in particular, it was, it's actually kind of funny if you think about it their twin cest, um, basically covered up their relationship and gave them cover for spending time together. Why? Well, they're brother and sister. So, and they're also twins and it's well known that they spend most of their time together before they came to King's Landing. So everyone's like, well, yeah, of course they're going to spend time together. They're brother and sister. They, that's a normal thing to do. So there's no, there's no one going like, Hmm. I wonder if it's suspicious. It's not suspicious because most people's minds don't go to, I wonder if that brother and sister are having sex. Whereas with Harren and Rhaenyra, they're not related (laughs) and they're, they're carrying on pretty publicly. Um, and they also get another layer of deniability with Jamie and Cersei. And that is the fact that he's the, he's a member of the Kingsguard and she is what queen of the seven kingdoms. So he has a built-in reason to spend lots of time with Cersei because he's supposed to be protecting her. Um so they have two really good layers of plausible den- deniability for why they spend time together and that for and a reason that people won't think weirdly of them spending so much time together. They sort of they carry on in secret and they like try really hard not to get caught. Um, although actually somebody in the chat just said this, I was about to get to it. Um, it seems certain that by the start of a song of ice and fire, that at least John Aaron, Redenly, Littlefinger, and probably Varus have pieced together that Jamie and Cersei, um, have been cuckolding Robert and that his three kids, uh, and that the three kids are Jamie's and not Robert's. But th- that's a pretty small circle of people. Like. All those characters were keeping that information secret because they were all playing on to acting on it later. Part of the plot is basically that um, Cersei goes out of her way to make sure it doesn't get out. And then even after it does, even after Stannis finds out and sends his letter, there's quite a lot of people in Westeros that don't believe them because Twincest is weird. Do you have any proof? It's like they're not Targaryens, like that kind of thing. Um, so... That's, that's the big difference here. That's the misunderstanding. I think people have, they assume that Harwin and Rhaenyra are like Jamie and Cersei when they're not the only thing that's similar between them is the fact that it's a, a knight cuckolding a, um, somebody else with a queen. That's basically it. Um, and again, I, I just want to reinforce this because this is important within fire and blood. It is so widely believed that Viserys had to publicly say, repeat this rumor and I'm tearing out your tongue and then actually did it. That is not something somebody does to a small secret that's only between a shadowy small group. Um, so in that way, no, Corlys's casting a along with the rest of House Velaryon does not ruin any part of the Harwin Rhaenyra plot because again, the plot is not the mystery is instead a plot about how Rhaenyra and Viserys are using their power and their dragons in order to force those around them to deny the open secret that everybody already knows. It's um, Instead of a mystery, it's actually more like the emperor has no clothes. It's that kind of thing. Um, However, the show decides to make it clear that Rhaenyra's sons are not Laenor's, uh, it doesn't matter. It's it the it's actually important that it's obvious to the rest of the court and to the audience
1: that they know that. And that's basically it. That is the plot. Um, So, yeah, that's my rant. That's why I, th-
0: I don't think heroin has been cut. And I think they're going to use the same plot because. Uh, you just have to read fire and blood and it comes off pretty clear that everyone knowing that. Lenor's supposed
1: sons are not his is literally key to the plot. It is not ruining it. Um Yeah. So there we go. That's what I think. Um I mean there's other reasons
0: to not be upset about the Corlys and Valarion casting, like the fact that who cares because they're made up. But like I wanted to specifically attack this idea that it's they're breaking the lore to do it. They are not breaking the lore absolutely not so yeah go back and read fire and blood read the sections about harwin
1: and rhaenyra it is blatant not a mystery Whew. all right so we're, we've gone a little bit over uh i've kind of ignored the chat because i actually
0: wrote most of this out this time um, instead of freestyling So, uh, do you guys have any comments or questions you want me to get to something I ignored while I was talking? Um, just, you know, at me, bro, we'll do these real fast and then we'll get out of here. Um, and you guys can go ahead and enjoy the rest of Saturday and hopefully my computer doesn't crash. It was a good rant. Thank you. (laughs) I, everyone loves my logical rants. Yeah. Anybody says that it ruined the plot, you can send them that part because
1: it's just wrong. They they don't understand what they're saying. Um, you guys are talking about who knew. Um,
0: yeah, Littlefinger probably knew first. Although there is a suggestion that maybe Varys, because uh, Cersei hates Varys, and she suggests that's because. He pretended to be her friend at first and helped Jamie get on the Kingsguard. So it's suggested that Varys may have been aware at the time that the twins were pumping um, each other. Um, Tywin, yeah, Tywin did know about Jamie and Cersei, but he essentially went into denial mode because you remember Joanna Lannister
1: told him and he was like, what? No, that's not happening. Absolutely not. And then tried to separate them. So Tywin knew as well. Where's my tankard? Um, right here. Duncan the Tall, brand and the Seed is Strong.
0: I'm going on brand about how strong. I'm all over it. Um,
1: let me see. I'm going to scroll up, see if I missed anything. Um, is there a Scarsguard in. House of the Dragon? I don't think so. He would have made a good daemon probably, but I think Matt Smith will do a great job too. Um, who is the strongest strong from Isabel Lamego? Um
0: Harwin. It might be Harwin. Um, I mean, Dunk is probably tied with him. Pro- Dunker or um, Harwin. Harwin's probably the strongest official member of the family. But if you believe the fan theory that Amanda and I support that Amanda came up with, I think Amanda actually came up with the first dunk would be right there. Um when are the streams usually uploaded? Um uh, they'll be uploaded right afterwards. Do you mean to the podcast feed? Uh that'll be out Monday. Um oh, Lady Lee said something. Oh, I got that wrong. Thank you, Liat. Um, Joanna separated them. We don't know if she told Tywin. I'm
1: guessing. She probably did. Um, But I would assume that. Um. Uh, So what do we have uh, coming up? Obviously, I talked about earlier. Dying of the light. Chapters
0: two and three will be up this week. Chapter two will be free. So that's with uh from History of Westeros. I'll post about it so you guys can go find it. Um just kind of a sneak preview for the the patron series so far and what's coming in the future. Um I have another guest for next month who's gonna be doing two chapters as well. Um it's announced during the during
1: chapters two and three. So uh get ready for those. Um I'll be coming out Monday or
0: Tuesday, probably. I'm going to spend tonight and tomorrow working on chapter three, get it edited and all that stuff. We actually had to split up the recording, which we didn't think about at the time. So, yeah, Gary, for a lot of me and Aziz talking about Jan Vickery and Dirk Talarian and Gwen Delvano, Warlorn, and all that other fun stuff. um Oh, actually, there was one I wanted to. I forgot about this. Um,. Ramona, Zamfir, She sent me an email about a thread it post she wanted me to look at. I'm just going to go ahead and do that real fast. Um, so what's this about? Liana Stark,
1: the she dragon of Winterfell. Oh, Ramona, you're going for more secret Targaryens. Um, Oh, so this is basically just, this is about what I just said about the idea that, um,
0: sarah snow did get pregnant with jace Valarion. and that and from that we ended up oh so you make a logical argument that somehow sarah snow's bastard ends up in the main line of house
1: stark i think that's what i'm reading here yeah i think that's possible um
0: i mean the starks end up running out of people to marry pretty fast um i don't know if he would have married the kid directly into the family but they i mean ned his first cousin his his wife oh no not ned um ned's father i believe his father's first wife was his cousin his first cousin or something like that so it's not out of the realm of possibility um that after he realized he had targaryen blood that cregan decided to uh, keep it in the family as it were Um, Pregnant Woman Who Wants Revenge could be Sarah Snow, definitely, from Brand's vision. Um, yeah, Sarah Snow has the possibility of being surprisingly interesting going into Fire and Blood Volume 2 whenever we get that. Uh JT Saul, do you see any thematic parallels between the strong's and the Tyrells uh growing strong? They both have that Riverland, Riverlands connection. Well, the Tyrells have the, the Reach connection. They don't have a Riverlands connection. Uh fertile, Garth, Greenhand vibe, anything more to it um so is there connection between the tyrells and the strongs not directly by marriage as far as i know um but um i made the suggestion in my video well actually no the tyrells are supposed to not have any garth greenhand blood actually that's like their thing isn't it that's one of their problems that after they took over for house gardener the rest of the garth greenhand families were bullshit because uh the Tyrells were stewards and they weren't related um they didn't have a lineage going back to Garth um I can imagine the Gardeners and the Strongs have a like a common ancestor or something like that since we know that the Gardeners and the Starks do and I think that the Strongs and the Starks are related um I don't know about the Tyrells the growing growing strong is definitely um suggestive um, and since the strongs are known for producing a prodigious amount of bastards um possibly like that could maybe that's like sort of the relationship there, although they definitely lack the um the size and mannerisms of how strong basically when we see them show up through um through the years, it tends to be either a physical or a personality type that's associated with them you either get um giant guys like duncan harwin or you get somebody that's particularly um needs to be sent to horny jail like lucamore uh, although there is characters like laris and alice who are much more on the scheming intelligence side i sort of thought of their relationship being um kind of like duncan egg where the the strongs are either the giant tall guardian or they're the the small short um, more physically weak intelligent one george likes that kind of relationship quite a lot throughout his stories like um if you read wild cards his invented character the great and powerful turtle um which is basically him is a physically weak character who is protected throughout school by his kind of uh dunk the tall like best friend who's uh poor but then the great and powerful turtle develops psychic powers and the relationship flips. So that seems to be kind of the thing with how strong either have to be the, um, like a Larish type or you have to be a hard one. Yeah, you're probably right, Aaron, that after 10,000 years that everyone in the reach is probably related to Garth one way or another. But I do believe that was one of the problems with the Tyrells taking over that they didn't have a known historical, ancestor that was garth like no Floris the fox no garth greenhand himself no um uh what are the other ones
1: um gilbert of the vines that kind of character yeah it's it's intermarried and
0: yeah it's like it's old europe where everybody was everybody's cousin. so i'm guessing the tyrells do actually have
1: garth greenhand blood but um I think they claim that's part of the problem. I think Sarah Snow's baby went
0: over the wall and did the man's raider thing and ran away. a nice wild, wilding girl and had kids that had doll and Vala, Val, Dalla and Val. I think that's like 200 years of lineage you're going to have to be tracing. Um,
1: Is that right? I thought, hang on a second. Let me look up house Tyrell. Maybe I'm just making stuff up. I hope I'm not making. I,
0: th- I thought it was a plot point with the Tyrells that they had problem gaining legitimacy and that um, it was through Aegon that he made the rest of the Reach shut up. Yeah, Evelyn Eversweet. Um, oh, you're right, Aaron. I didn't know this. They traced their lineage through the female line, the Garth Gardner. Huh. So they never that's the thing. They never ruled as kings. OK, so that's a their problem. is not that they're not related to Garth Gardner. They're not Garth Greenhand or the gardeners. They're not related through the male line. OK, I'm sorry. I got that totally wrong. Uh, that's actually cool to know about. I, I hadn't realized that that's that kind of stuff happens all the time. Like the Strongs are not actually dead. They just they exist through the female line. Same for quite a lot of
1: the families. I got that totally wrong nobody should listen to me sorry guys
0: uh yeah Brandon of the bloody blade yeah that's the ancestor of house stark who
1: then went on to um be related to brand the builder Hmm. this is why I shouldn't answer questions about things I don't know about it's also funny the things that get stuck in your head and then um it's never yet corrected because it doesn't come up. But yeah, so uh to answer JT souls question with the correct information. Thank you, Aaron. Um,
0: could there be a connection between the strong's and the Tyrells? Yes, there could be then. Um I mean, besides the fact that they're the Strongs go back to the Age of Heroes, um, supposedly. So did the Tyrells. If this is true,
1: then um, then yeah, they they could have common ancestors. Um, but again, when you look at the Tyrells,
0: there's not a lot of crossover between them and the Strongs. Um, like if anything, um, Laura seems more like a, a Kristen
1: Cole and a harwin strong that kind of thing so um large dame says i think the strongs are meant to parallel what will happen with the targs and the starks after the current
0: generation name dies out bloodline lives on through the female slash bastard lines i mean that's literally happened to the strongs quite a few times where the house has gone extinct and then there's two guys actually in um and the Golden Company that claim to be strongs. So there's Duncan Strong, and then there's um. Let me look this one up. There's also somebody that claims to be a member of House Mud. Duncan Strong, I think, is just so on the nose. Like, all right, all right, George, I see it. I see what you're doing here. Um, Dennis Strong is the a sergeant in the Golden Company that claims to be a member of their house. And when you have guys like Lucamore and Harwin and even Dunk, um, I mean, the just the sheer amount of children that came out from Lucamore is intense. There's an unbelievable amount of that house, even though they quote-unquote died out with Laris. Um, Gilbert of the Vines is a good descendant. Um, house Bolwers good too. Brandon of the Bloody Blade is a off is a normal favorite. Um, it's Flores the Fox, Evelyn Eversweet. There's a guy with a shield
1: who's on the shield aisles. Um, obviously the gardeners, the high towers through. Uh, What's her name? Yeah. I used to be able to name them all. Uh, let's see here so john the oak of house, house oakheart garth the
0: gardener of house gardener gilbert of the vines of the red wines Foss the archer of the Fosways, Brandon of the bloody blade of stark and possibly house strong through uh, artos the strong uh maris the maid and uther of the high tower that's house high tower owen oakenshield that's it boars the breaker of house bulwer rose of red lake that's house crane that's the greenseer line Evelyn Eversweet of Beesbury, Rowan Goldtree of Rowan, um, Land the clever supposedly from Floris the Fox and Rowan Goldtree. Actually, that would make the um, the Lannisters a female line of of, of Garth Greenhand too. Interesting. Um, actually, from Floris the Fox, you get houses Florent Ball and Peak. She had three husbands apparently. Arlen the Hunter and Herndon of the Horn gets his house Tarly. But yeah, basically everyone's related to Garth Greenhand. It's and just like everyone in the North is related to House Stark. It's kind of funny where they're like, "Oh no, House Stark is going to die out of this generation." Like through the male official line, but like there's a million of them. They have to be because they've intermarried so many times for over like ten thousand years. It's basically no one in the North that's not a Stark. Um, with all the mentions of. The Strong's in Fire and Blood. Do you think we can get more of Duncan Strong and John Con and Aryan's POV and wins? I don't know, but I would like it. I would like to see Duncan Strong and Dennis Strong. Um, especially because there's another fake Strong. Well, there's, I don't know if they're fake. That It's suggested that people in the Golden Company take on famous names just because they can. But I mean, we know Robert Strong's running around and he's pretending to be one. Um, it would be an inversion though. If you act, if the claims actually were related to the strongs, but yeah, I would love to see it. I would love to see what Duncan and Dennis are, um, up to with the golden company invasion. Um, one of them's, I think there's one of them is Sergeant. I forgot what the other one is. So they should have some role. They're at least named characters. A super chat from JT soul, uh, 10 Canadian dollars. thanks for your detailed answer. Great stream as always. Thanks JT. Um, I think. Maris the most fair so pretty Maris that's one thing that I forgot uh pretty Maris from the windblown her name's also um the fact that they call her
1: pretty Maris is a play on the story of uh, Maris and Uther of the High Tower. Uh, I think the Starks never married the Boltons but that's it they married all over another yeah but by like
0: the Boltons had to marry somebody right even if they don't directly marry the Starks So let's say at some point the Boltons marry House Flint. Well, we know the Flints and the Starks have intermarried. By that logic, at some point they would have crossed. So it's basically everybody. Nobody is the house they pretend. It's all one big inbred family. Gotta love nobility, don't you? The King goes to Westeros. That'd be pretty good. All right. I think uh, think we're going to call it here. Uh, I've been going for about two and a half hours. Minus the ten minutes at the start, and then when I crash my computer. But um yeah, so that's it for today talking about Harwin's strong, old breakbones. Um what you're likely to see in House of the Dragon, how he'll show up. Um I'm obviously gonna talk more about the strongs in the future. Expect one of these about probably Laris, um, one about probably Lionel. Uh especially if if we when we hear they get cast. Those are the ones I'm waiting for. Um I think I did one on Alice Rivers already, but if I didn't, that will be coming up at some point. Um, yeah, and go ahead and tell people that think that Corley's will being cast as Stephen Toussaint ruins the Harwin plot. You can tell them they are wrong
1: and to go read Fire and Blood because they don't understand the plot. <laughs> uh...
0: All right. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Look out for Monday and Tuesday. This will be going up on the podcast stream and also the uh, Dying of the Light chapters two and three will be going up and.